Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Amen. Turn with me in your Bible again to Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. We began a new series last Sunday. Don't know how long it'll go, but uh, it'll, there'll be at least two last Sunday and this one. <laughs> Hebrews chapter two, praise God. If you don't have a Bible, just find somebody close by that has one. If you have to move over a seat or two, just, they won't mind sharing their Bible with you. It's good to read along with the scriptures, amen? And, uh, and if, you, if you don't have one, next time you come back, make sure you bring your Bible. Amen. Everything we do is based on the word of God. And if it's not the Bible, if it's not the word, it's not true and we don't have any place for it. Amen. So you need to, you need to know what the word of God says on everything. Hallelujah. Have you found Hebrews chapter two? Praise God. Beginning in verse number one, of course it begins with the word therefore, which has reference to the verses that have gone before. But picking up here in, in chapter two, verse one, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. I know the, the, I'm reading from the new King James, the older King James said, lest we let them slip. But here in, in the original Greek and the way this is translated is really more accurate, lest we drift away, lest we drift away. He said in order to keep from drifting away, you have to give more earnest heed to the things you've heard. Well, drifting away from what? From the things you've heard. And he goes on to say in chapter, uh, or in verse number three, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So the things we've heard are specifically things related to our salvation. We need to hold fast to those things. We need to cling to these things and more earnestly than we ever have before. Amen. This is not the time to be slacking off. This isn't, this isn't the time to, be, uh, to have your affection for the things of God and your passion for the things of God waning. This is a time to be grasping more eagerly. This is a time to be laying hold more, more fervently and, and intentionally than ever before to the things we've heard. Why? Lest we drift away. There must be a danger of drifting away or he wouldn't warn us that we must lay hold to things to keep from drifting away. In fact, unless you earnestly lay hold to the things you've heard, not just having heard them, that you won't lay hold to them having heard them. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Faith in God and, and maintaining your walk with God is a result of continually laying hold, continually reaffirming, continually taking a, a, a firm grip and, and, and embracing the things that are dear to you, embracing salvation, embracing the truth of God's word, embracing your deliverance, amen? We know that the word salvation, the primary meaning of the word salvation, if you just look at it, in it, in it uh, and give a definition of the Greek word, the primary meaning of the word is deliverance. C.I. Schofield in his reference Bible brought out uh, the larger meaning that it has to do with uh, deliverance and safety and healing and preservation and so forth. And so it's the all-inclusive word of the gospel. It has to do with all that God offers the believer. It's more than the remission of sins, as important as that is. It's more than having your sins forgiven and going to heaven. It pertains to this life as well as to the life to come. It involves the full package, the full provision of God to meet your every need, spirit, soul, and body from now throughout eternity. And he said uh, that if you don't give the more earnest heed to hold on to it, he said, you will drift away. Notice, you must do that lest you drift. Now, I pointed out that it doesn't say lest you walk away. Lest you run away. Or even turn away. But lest you drift away. The way people lose their salvation and turn away from God 
and lose the benefit of salvation in their life is they don't just go from a place of being in fellowship with the Lord and being passionate about the things of God, what we would call being on fire for God on Sunday and then get up Monday morning and say, you know, I think I'll just turn my back on God. That's just not the way it works. It happens in incremental steps. It happens gradually. It happens very, uh, it's almost imperceivable at first because it's a very uh, 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 small change that takes place one step at a time that causes someone to notice drift away. Not rush away, just drift away. You know, if you're on a boat or around here, you know, everybody goes tubing, you know, if you're on an inner tube on the river, the Chutney River, the Santa Fe River, uh, all you have to do to drift away is just turn loose. You don't have to paddle, you don't have to try to, you don't have to push away, all you have to do is turn loose and the current will pull you away. You will drift because there's a current in the river. You'll drift on a lake because of wind blowing on the lake. Well, the winds of this world and the current that's in this world will move you away from God if you don't hold on to the things you've heard. Amen? Now, this goes on to say, for if the word, verse number two, spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. Now, this verse of scripture has been used many, many times uh, over the centuries and in, and in modern times. It's often used as a warning to the sinner. Do not neglect the salvation of God. And as I pointed out to you last week, the word neglect has two primary meanings, both in the English and in this, and in this Greek word. And, and the first meaning is to ignore something, to disregard it. And very often sinners hear the gospel, they hear the message of Christ, but they ignore it or they disregard it. And they say, well, you know, I, I'm not really interested in that. I know it's true, but I'm just, I'm going to intentionally not yield to it. I'm going to intentionally uh, 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 not accept the claims of Christ. Well, that's a, that's a terrible thing. It's a dangerous thing. It's a tragic thing. For someone to neglect so great a salvation. He said, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? There's another meaning of the word neglect. It's a little more benign than the first uh, definition. And it simply is to fail to give uh, or fail to care for sufficiently or properly. To fail to care for sufficiently or properly. To not give proper attention to. And sometimes this is something that happens almost unintentionally. It does happen as a result of compromise, but it can happen not as a result of an overt rejection or just ignoring or disregarding the things of God, but just not being careful. Just not giving the proper care, the proper attention to something. Amen. And uh, though we use this, and, and that applies to sinners who, who haven't heard the gospel, whether, whether they just overtly just reject it or this is what happens many times, a sinner will say, I know I need to be born again, I know I need to be saved, but not today. One day, I'll give attention to it. One day, I'll get right with God. One day, the tragic reality is, for people like that, more times than not, that day never comes. Because they build a, a, a response in their life. They build a response to the gospel, a hardening to the gospel, a callousness to the, to the promptings of the Spirit of God where they increasingly are, are able to uh, deny and, and, and put down and suppress the directions and, and, the, and, the, and the wooing and the drawing of the Spirit of God. And they develop an ability to do that more quickly and more readily over time and grow hardened to the things of God. All the while, mentally thinking, one day I'll get right. Hell is full of people who intended to be saved. They fully intended to be saved. They planned on being saved, but they went out into eternity lost because they neglected so great a salvation. 
So this, this scripture, it's okay, it's good to use it. It, it certainly applies in talking about the uh, situation of an unbeliever. But we also need to remember that this scripture was not written as an en- uh, uh, evangelical message to the world. This, this scripture and this book was written to the church. It wasn't written to, to be read in the public square. It was to be read in church. It was an epistle sent to the churches. It was written to people who already had salvation. They were already born again. They already knew God. They had already made a decision to, to, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk in fellowship with him. They were already born again and even filled with the Spirit. So this is a warning not to the world only, but to us. Is it possible for a Christian to neglect his salvation? Yeah. But like I said, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't begin as an overt rejection or a willful decision to walk away or, or to even allow oneself to drift away. But it does happen as a result of compromise. I mentioned this last week. I just got into the edge of it. And uh, I want to talk more about that. How does it happen? It happens as a result of compromise. We compromise on a lot of different levels. And this is how people slowly drift away. And if you're on fire for God and clinging to the things of God, it's readily obvious when believers, brothers and sisters are slipping away. Many times they don't see it. And in the early stages, a person almost never sees it unless they've made a commitment to hold fast to things. Then when they see themselves slipping a little bit, they remember, oh, I'm not where I used to be. And they go back and they lay hold of those things again. But if a person isn't being diligent like that, they'll drift away. And in the early stages of it, they're not even aware of it. People around them know it. It's not that we're judgmental, but we are to love one another. Amen. We are to love one another in order to encourage and provoke one another to love and good works, to stay connected, to stay on fire for God. Amen. Amen. That's not being mean, that's being loving. Amen. So what kind of compromise do we see? Well, first of all, it starts with compromising on your personal devotion time. Compromising on your personal devotion time. What am I talking about? I'm talking about your prayer time and and time spent in the word of God, feeding on the word of God. You know, when you were first born again or after you had come back into fellowship with the Lord and and were reintroduced to the things of the Lord and the blessings of God and the goodness of the Lord and the the provisions of, of the gospel and salvation, you found out what was available to you and what God had actually provided for you and all that Jesus had done for you. Your heart was so full of love, so full of, of uh, desire. You hungered for the word. You'd read the word every day. Sometimes you'd take the word to work with you. And if you had a few minutes, you'd open your Bible, you know, on your, on your break time and, and read a few passages from the word of God. Listening to cassette tapes back in the days when we had cassette tapes or almost uh, a relic of the past now. But uh, listening to teaching tapes, feeding on the word of God, spending time praying. Well, what happened to that? Go over to Jeremiah chapter two. Jeremiah chapter two. Verse number, well, we'll start in verse one. Read the first two verses. Jeremiah uh, chapter two, verse one. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord. Notice the Lord wanted the prophet to go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem. In other words, proclaim this. Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness in a land not sown. He said, I remember you, 
in the early days when you went after me with all your heart, the days of your youth, the, the time when you made your commitment, you committed your heart to me, your betrothal. said, I remember that. You went after me in the wilderness when you, when you didn't have anything, when, you had no, when there was nothing for you but God. He said, I remember that. Very often we forget that, but he never forgets. He remembers. Do you know the Lord thinks about the time that you came to him? He thinks about it with fondness. Those, those, that time in your life when you were hungry for him, more hungry for God than anything else in your life. You just wanted all of God. You were just loved him so much. You were so grateful for what he'd done for you. How he had rescued your life, delivered you from so many things, from so many sins, from so much bondage, from so much uh, of this world. And he set you free and changed your life and you were so in love with him. We forget those times. But he said, I, 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 don't, I remember that. I remember it. He told the prophet, he said, go out and cry this in the ears of Jerusalem. What's God, what was God saying? He was saying, return to me. Come back. Amen. I, in a service a few weeks ago, the, the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask this question. Has there been a time in your life, in your spiritual walk with God? Think back over, over the time that you've been walking with the Lord. Has there been a time in your spiritual walk when you were closer to the Lord than you are now? Was there a time in your spiritual walk where you were more on fire for God? You had a greater hunger and passion and, and zeal for God than you do now. Has there ever been such a time? Well, if there has been, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You drifted away. You drifted away. You didn't give sufficient care to the things of the Lord. At some point, you begin to compromise and you begin to let other things interfere with your word time. You let other things take the place of spending time just fellowshipping with the Lord around his word and in prayer. Begins as compromise, amen? Well, in Revelation chapter two, John's talking about the same thing here. <clears throat> talking to the church at Ephesus. You remember the church of Ephesus? You remember Paul's epistles to, epistle to the church of, of Ephesus? Ephesus was a spiritual church. Ephesus and Colossae were, were two of Paul's most spiritual churches. They walked in a great deal of revelation. The Apostle Paul spoke more about the, the plan for God's plan for the church in the book of Ephesians than he did any other place, theology of the church. He talked about being filled with the Spirit and, and uh, they were really on fire for God. But here, just a few years later, this epistle was written about 20 years after Paul uh, wrote his epistle to, the, to Ephesians and founded that church. About 20 years later, the Apostle John writing by the Spirit of God, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Think about that, 20 years time, you've left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Somebody said, can a Christian lose his salvation? Well, you decide. What does that sound like? He said, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Remember, repent, return. Remember, repent, return. But that's how we start. We just start compromising just in, in just a little bit where our personal devotion time comes. And then we go from that to, con to compromising on being a witness. You know, you were filled with the Spirit for a reason. Amen. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. That's why God filled you with the Holy Spirit so that you would be a vibrant, on fire, 
a firebrand, as it were, a flaming torch for God. So that everyone who sees you sees the glory of the Lord. Everyone, everywhere you go, you, you, you're, a, you're a, a blazing fire for God. Amen. That's what the tongues as a fire represented. They represented people being on fire for God. Being, being so full of the spirit of God that they were a living witness for Christ. Well, you can begin to compromise on that. Go over to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. Verse number 13. Matthew five thirteen. You are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. You know, that's our, that's our, purpose here as Christians you were born again because God loves you he offered salvation to you because he loves you heaven and and spending eternity with God is our destiny but he didn't take you out of here the day that you accepted him as Lord and Savior no he left you here for a reason to be salt and to be light you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But notice, if the salt loses its flavor or its saltiness, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and be trampled underfoot by men. You see, when we lose our effectiveness, our effective witness for whatever reason, we become, for, for the purpose of God, Worthless and useless. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he throws you out of his family. But it, it says that men will throw you out. Men will trample you underfoot. You can never win this world by compromising with this world. You must be an on fire witness for God. You must be the salt of this earth everywhere you go. Everywhere we are, we have a, a, a responsibility and a place and a, a, a purpose, and that is to be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world. He said, you're a light. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's what we're supposed to be as a city set on a hill. He said, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. See, we're not to cover things up. We're not to hide the light. We're not to, to disguise the light. We're supposed to set it out where people can see it. And whenever you're on fire for God, when you remember when you were young in the Lord, remember when you had first received salvation or you had first been filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, it was so much, uh, you were so alive and it was so much, uh, uh, so consuming in your life. You were all about it. Everyone around you knew you were all about your love for Christ. You know, I don't believe in forcing anything on people manipulating people and backing them into a corner and harassing them about the claims of Christ. But I'm talking about living your life because of your love for God so that you are a witness everywhere you go. The light, he said, you are the light of this world. Turn over to Philippians. Philippians. <clears throat> go to chapter two. He talks about the light here, being a light in the world. Look at verse 15, Philippians 2, 15, that you may, may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Has there ever been a more crooked and perverse generation than the generation we're living in? I don't believe there's ever been a more crooked or perverse world. I don't believe the world has ever been in a worse condition than it is right now. We are in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to shine as a light 
in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. Now, if you just read verse, if you just read verse 15, you'll get the idea that because the world is so wicked and the world is so perverse and because you're so bright, just your, just because you are a Christian, you'll automatically shine. But notice he said, shining as lights in the world, holding fast the word of God. Now, the older King James said it like this, holding forth the word of God. According to Kenneth Wiest and, and other Bible scholars and or, uh, 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 commentators and so forth, Greek authorities, the word hold fast is a very poor translation. The older King James had it right. Wiest says this word forth or fast here in the, in the new King James means to hold forth so as to offer something to someone. Holding forth the word of life. You're not shining, your light isn't shining if you aren't holding forth the word of life. If people don't hear you talking about the Lord, if people don't hear you talking about your life, just in your, just, I'm not talking about preaching to people. I'm not talking about quote unquote witnessing to someone. I'm talking about you live your life and when people around you, people at work, people on the, uh, you know, at school, wherever you go, just because you, when you're an ordinary talking about the things of this life, you're always talking about what God has done and how the word has made a difference and what you base your life on, which is the word of God. You're holding forth the word of life constantly. If you're not doing that, your light's not shining. If you're not doing that, your light, you may have a light, but it's tucked under a bucket somewhere. He said, you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. Amen. But we compromise. We move from compromising with our devotional time to, to compromising being a witness. We're not, a, we're not aggressive like we used to be. Amen. We're not aggressive for the things of God. We grow quiet. We grow silent. And move, it, it, it leads to more compromise. We're talking about drifting away. We're talking about neglecting one's salvation. We're talking about neglecting your healing. We're talking about neglecting your prosperity. We're talking about neglecting the power of God in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of prayers answered. Neglecting that vibrant life, that dynamic life in Christ by, by just making small compromises, just, just these, like I said, incremental steps. Go over with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. The third compromise. After you compromise in your prayer time and your word time, you grow silent. Out in the world, you're not the witness you used to be. It leads to this third compromise. You begin to compromise on your separation from the world. Compromising your separation from the world. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He said, don't love the world. He's already described this generation as wicked and perverse. Why would you love a wicked and perverse world system? Why would you? Well, uh, well I don't love the world. I, I love God. Really? You know, John here wasn't writing to, to sinners either. He was writing to the church. Go back to, just turn the page, but if you're in, in a new King James, just go back one page. I have written to you, verse 14, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world. This exhortation is written to people who are on fire for God. And yet he warns them, do not love the world. 
Do not love the world. There's a danger in loving the world. This world is passing away. The older King James, I think, said in the fashion of it. This, older, this world is passing away. What's popular today won't be popular. Should Jesus tarry? The, 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 the uh, things that are considered great today and fashionable today, they won't be considered that way a few years from now. Why would you pin your hopes to it? Why would you identify with it? Why, why do we want to be like it? When it is so transient, it's so temporary, it's so, it's so dark. He said it's passing away, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Listen, if you live righteously and godly in Christ Jesus, Paul said, you will suffer persecution. If you're not suffering persecution, you better check up on the way you're living. If you're accepted by the world, if you're embraced by the world and they all think you're a wonderful guy and one of the crowd and the life of the party, you need to check up on the way you're living. Amen. This world's passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Listen, it's worth standing out and being separate. It's worth it. It's worth it. You, you, need to cling, you need to cling to the things that are unchangeable, that are immovable, the things that will last forever. Not the ridiculous fads of this world. Amen. Now, <clears throat> go with me from here over to James chapter four. James chapter four. Hallelujah. God is good. Praise God, praise God. <clears throat> That's not the scripture I was looking for. Hallelujah. I don't want to miss this. It'll come back to me. It's important. It talks about being a friend of this world. It's not good. You know, I thought it was James 4.4 4, and I'm looking in 1 Peter. <laughs> I mean, my Bible's open to 1 Peter 4.4 4, and I'm looking, this does not sound what I was thinking of. James 4.4. 4. <laughs> Thank you. Who said that? Thank you. Adulterers and adulteresses. James was not probably the most popular <laughs> preacher. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you have to tell the truth. Amen. That's what the preacher's job is, to tell the truth. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Rebuke, exhort, encourage of all long suffering. Amen. He said here, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Friendship with the world is enmity. That word enmity means hostility. Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Whoever wants to be a friend of this world, who wants, he who wants to be accepted by this world, 
He who wants the, the people of this world to pat him on the back and say, hey man, we like you. We like hanging with you. You're a good guy. Want the accolades, the affirmations of the world. Beware, the Bible says, when all men speak well of you because you're not living right. Hey Amen, that's what Jesus said. He said, you're not living right if everybody's talking good about you. Hmm. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. These are, these are incremental steps that people take in drifting away. They drift away by making compromises. Each compromise is in essence loosening your grip on the things that you've heard. Amen. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'll try to do the same. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 33. Do not, well let me, let everybody get there. 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Is it possible to be deceived along this line? You bet you it is. Evil company corrupts good habits. You need to pay attention to who you're hanging out with. Your best friends, your only good friends need to be born again, spirit-filled people like you who are living like you, who are walking like you, who are going where you're going, who love what you love and despise what you despise, meaning the, meaning the ungodliness of this world and are hungry for God. People who will challenge you upward, not be bringing you down. Your, your friends don't need to be someone who will influence you away from God. Oh, they're not influencing me. I'm a bright light. Are you? So you're speaking the word to them. Hello. I guarantee you people who are unsaved, if you're someone who is talking about the things of God, living your life openly, rejoicing, full of praise, full of thanksgiving, glad to, 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 to just be living for Jesus and it just spills over, you're not gonna be invited to the parties. That's not a negative thing. Amen. They're not going to invite you. They will be drawn to you, but it's sort of a love-hate thing. They'll be drawn to you because they recognize what you have is what they need, but also they recognize that you condemn their life just by your godly living. It puts them under condemnation. Amen. No, you need to, you, your, your pals, a lot can be said about a person just by the company they keep. A lot can be said. Amen. Let your light shine, Jesus said, but you, have to, you can't put it under a bucket. Be the salt of the earth, but if it loses its saltiness, if you lose your witness, you've lost a lot. That's the third compromise. Compromise on your separation from the world. Number four, this leads to the next one. And we're, we're, we're talking about drifting away. Compromising on church attendance. When, some, when someone begins to just, just compromise on their prayer time and their word time, and the word isn't precious like it used to be. Amen? I, I know in the time of Samuel, before Samuel was born. There hadn't been a prophet in, in Israel for a long, long time. There had been no life, no fresh word from God in, in, in the days leading up to the ministry of Samuel. And he was just a little boy when the spirit of God began to deal with it. But talking about that, those times, it said the word of the Lord was precious in those days. It was precious because, because people didn't have it. And when they heard it, they, they ran to it. 
Something fresh. We're hearing from God. God is moving again. Amen. You begin to lose that by compromising your prayer time, compromising your word time, compromising on being that, that vibrant witness for the Lord. You're compromising uh, on, on your separation from the world. You start in just getting involved in more and more things. Next comes church attendance. It starts dropping off. Start compromising at first, just a little bit, just a little bit. Something comes up that you could overcome, but you begin to look for excuses. You're going to say, well, you know, my work, I really need to do this. Really. Forget, forget the person who just says, I'm going to take a job that keeps me out of church. That's, that's, that's so absurd. But I'm talking about just the more subtle, I've got a job, it doesn't keep me out of church, but, but now it's changed a little bit and, and, and I can't come to church. And so, I, I, you know, I'm just, you know I'll, just, I'll just miss just a, a few services. Very often, that can be avoided if you really have a hunger and really have a desire. Not all the time, not all the time. But here's how you tell the difference. If that person, as soon as that situation that they can't get out of changes, they're right back. That's the difference. But a lot of people will take that, that uh, work situation and it might be valid but it becomes an excuse. It becomes something that, I'm, I'm, I'm used to this, I like this. And you get completely out of going to church, maybe Wednesday nights. Then before long, you start missing on Sunday nights. Oh, I've heard all of the excuses. I need to rest. I know church is really wears you out. I need to rest, I need to stay home and rest. Have a big day tomorrow. And I need to stay home and rest. Yeah, and, and what are you doing to, to rest that will build you up and prepare you for tomorrow like coming to church will? And I tell you what, there have been times I've walked into church, I was so tired. My flesh wanted to do anything but come to church. And, and when I left, I had a bounce in my step. I mean, I tell you what, just the refreshing presence of God being around, the saints of God being around praise and worship, hearing the word of God and, and, and the spirit of God in operation. Woo, glory to God. I was so glad I didn't yield to that. But you see, I've heard them. Well, I've got to rest. Well, we need family time. There is no more sacred family time than having your family in church with you. Dear Lord, you, you, you honestly think that it's better for your family to stay home together and eat popcorn and watch a stupid movie in the middle of which you remember there's something embarrassing in it and, but it's too late? That edified, didn't it? Oh, that was good family time. Amen. Well, we just need time off, Pastor. I just need some time off. I have people tell me that. I need time off. Listen, there's a place for going on vacations, but vacations are intended to get you away from the natural world, from the pressures of work and just the, you know, the daily routine. You get, you know, just month after month. It, it's nothing wrong with taking a vacation. But that's to get you away from the natural things, not the spiritual things. So to take a vacation or to, or to stay out of church so that you can just, you know, take some time off from church is, the, is, is a very clear and glaring sign that you have slipped a long ways, that you've drifted a long ways. Amen. You let your kids get involved in other things. The God of this, of this age where children are concerned is sports, community sports. 
nothing wrong with it on one level. There's nothing wrong with playing ball and having your kids involved in things. But when they're 18 and they're hooked on drugs because you kept them out of church and let them go to ball games, hope their coach can set them free. But he won't be able to. Yeah. When you, when you allow your children to be involved in things that keep them out of church, you, you, can, you absolutely are saying to them, this is more important than the things of God. Maybe only for tonight, but for tonight, it's more important than the things of God. And, and it could be sports, it could be other things that, that your young person, your child wants to get involved in. Oh, I've had an opportunity. Uh, uh, the reason I'm saying this is Pastor Greg and Miss Amy, they've, you know, they've had uh, little Jack you know, interviewed for doing commercials and he hasn't gotten one. You know? but, but just for instance, you know, someone think, oh, this is my child. He, he's gonna get to be on a commercial. I, he might have a career in television or movie. Woo! And you start letting him stay out of church to go pursue things. Because after all, that's such, a, that's such an opportunity. Such an opportunity. He, he or she could do this and it would be so wonderful. And, you know, it's just a little thing, just out for a little while. Is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I, I remember when, when uh, my oldest son, Steve, between his junior and, and senior year in high school, he was invited to spend the summer at Harvard University studying. He was a very, you know, good student and, and uh, very intellectual and, and uh, he was recommended and he got, you know, this invitation. Well, you know, that was, that was kind of a heady thing, you know. That would have looked really good on his college resume, you know. Spent the summer as a 16-year-old in Boston, Massachusetts, studying at Harvard as a teenager. Oh, that would have looked great. A lot of parents would have fallen for that. I prayed about it. And I realized, you know, he doesn't need to be up there around that ungodly influence. Amen. Doesn't need to be up there around that, that secularism, and that ungodlyism, godliness, denying God. <laughs> No, it's not good. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Amen. We didn't let him go. Oh, you kept your son back. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we protected him. Amen. Parents, you need to require your kids participate in everything that goes on at church. Every activity at every age, whatever's going on, if they're planning something for that age group, you should require your child to be there and it should be presented as something wonderful and exciting and positive. Yes. You need to instill in them the sense of valuing the things of God and the work of God and the place of God and the church of God. Amen. Instead of planning other things that will keep them out, planning family activities when you know there's something going on that your young person needs to be involved in. And what's up with this sending your teenager off for the summer to go visit grandmother? Out of church. Now, I believe in visiting grandmother, but for all summer? A friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, close friends of mine and Pastor Angela's, sent her son one summer to spend the summer with his dad. She had been, she was divorced. She and her pastor, her, her husband are now pastoring, but her, her, her first husband, she sent her teenage son to spend the summer with his dad. His dad got his son smoking dope that summer. Prior to that, he loved God. He came back a totally changed young person and he's in his 30s now and he's never gotten back with God. Well, my, my, his mother, his granny won't put it, get him on pot. <laughs> yeah, but what will he miss out on? I'm telling you, it, it's important that the things of God be number one. Amen. 
I've been around this long enough to see the results, the painful and pitiful results of parents who will not put God first where their family's concerned because they cave in to little Johnny. Listen, your, your child might not always want to come to church or go to youth group. Oh, I don't like my Sunday school class. I don't like Faith Island. I don't. It's up to you to make sure they do like it. You don't have, you don't have a place in your house for not liking the things of God. Yeah, I mean, he, he went to youth group. He just didn't like it. What that is, is that is a child or a young person in the early stages of rebellion against God. And they're saying, oh, I love God, but, oh, you know, they'll, I tell you what, I'm, I, I'm so, I've seen so many parents so hoodwinked where the children are concerned. All their children have to do is bat their eyes and quote a verse of scripture. Listen, if you come here any length of time, you can quote scripture. Quote a little scripture, raise their hands a little bit, and they have their parents completely deceived that they're following God when their heart is far from God. Amen. You might be fooling a lot of people, but you're not fooling your pastors or your, or your youth minister. Amen. It's the truth. And I've seen parents so deceived and they just caved into their young person. Well, they just don't like to go. I don't want to make him go to church. You make him go to school, don't you? Oh, well, that's different. Yeah, it is different. It's so much less important. That's how different it is. <laughs> well, praise God. While we're sweeping out cobwebs. Let's get them all, praise God. Compromise on church attendance where you are concerned, where your children are concerned. Compromising on fellowship is a compromise where church is concerned. Amen. You just come to church, but you don't know anybody. You don't fellowship with anybody. You never come to, you never attend any connection groups. You never participate in anything. You just come to church. Listen, have you ever thought that somebody else needs you? Well, I don't get anything out of it. So that's what it's all about, what you can get out of it. You, you, you fail to see so many times just your life and your testimony and your, and, your, and your wisdom and your witness for God could be such a blessing to somebody else that's struggling. But you weren't going to enjoy it. It wasn't gonna be something that was fun for you and rewarding for you, so you just stayed home and watched some stupid something on TV. I'm telling you, compromise. Well, I only have two more. Compromises on giving is the next step. Compromising on giving. It starts just in these little things, compromising a little bit in word. Now, by the time you at this point, your word and prayer time's gone. Okay, you started just compromising a little bit, but by the time you get here, you're not cracking your Bible at all. Amen. You've, you've allowed yourself to be compromised in so many areas. You're drinking, you're going to parties. You're, you're, you're more involved and more interested in the things of this world than you are the things of God. It's no wonder then that your giving starts slacking off. Well, I can't give, Pastor. I, you know, things are tight. Can't afford to tithe. We don't tithe because we can afford it. We tithe because God deserves to be honored with 10% of everything that comes into your hand. He deserves it. Did you know in the Old Testament that you never, a person never went to the temple, never went to the temple without a sacrifice to bring? And I'm not talking about sacrifices for sins. Those were things that the priest offered. I'm talking about bringing pigeons and the smaller sacrificial animals that people brought to worship the Lord with. It wasn't enough to show up and to worship. They also brought an offering. Yes. 
Can you imagine today that God thinks it's fine for you to come in church and lift your hands, but you don't bring him an offering? And in the Old Testament, if, you, if it was, if it was uh, inconvenient, if you had to travel a distance and it was inconvenient for you to bring these, these live sacrifices with you, if it was inconvenient for you to do that, you could sell it and bring the money. Well, today we don't bring pigeons to church. Hopefully. Our tithes and our, and our offerings are just that. They're offerings to God. Should never come to church without bringing something to offer to God. Amen. Worshiping before him on a regular basis. But it's easy to let those things begin to slip when you're, when you're drifting away. And then finally, I just want to hurry up here. I could say a lot about either of these, but drifting and compromising where serving is concerned. Being of service in the church. You know, we're members of one body and we're members of a local church and every person is graced. Every person has abilities that God intends for you to use for him. God has God has blessed everybody, young and old, with abilities, with talents, with graces. And he said, whatever, whatever you've received from God, whatever your gifts, whatever your abilities are, use them. That's what it says in Romans chapter four. Whatever it is, use them. Whether if it's prophecy, and, and, and then in other words, the, the, what we call the gifts of the spirit, or if it's giving. Or if it's because some people are especially anointed to give. We all give and anybody can prophesy. But there are some people that, that have a special gifting along that way. Or, or whether it's just showing mercy or hospitality or teaching. Whatever it is, what is your ability? What is your talent? When you're on fire for God, anything you could do. Anything you could do, anything you could do, you were willing to do. I'll, I'll, do, I'll sing, I'll play, I'll I'll. I'll Whatever, I'll cook, I'll, whatever I can do, I, whatever my, you need, if I've got an ability, I'll do it. Amen. But when you start drifting away, you start thinking, well, I've done my part. I've served a long time. Look at all of the list of the things that I've done in the church. Well, let somebody else do it. After all, there's a younger generation and they need, well, they do need to be involved, but there's room for everybody. Amen. See, a lot of times what, what sounds like wisdom is nothing but old, just plain old garden variety compromise. It's all it is. But we dress it up and call it something else, pat ourselves on the back. Well, praise God. Aren't you glad I just had six? <laughs> it gives some levity to this, but it's still true. We need to take account of ourselves and how we live. Because if you don't, my friend, the current will pull you away. The wind of this world will pull you away from God just and you'll drift away. If you don't lay hold like you've never laid hold of before, of the things of God, serving, find some place to serve. Well, I don't know what to do. I don't, it doesn't seem to be a place for me. You, if, if, you, if you're serious and sincere, we'll find you a place. Well, I'd really like to sing, but, but I tell you what, there are people in our church that have so many different kinds of talents, can sing so well. But you know, in order to sing, give, you know, sing specials. Oh, I'd love to do that. Some of you have voices. You could just be a marvelous special singer, but you don't qualify because you won't come to the music practice be part of the team well it requires sacrifice amen if you don't if you don't serve if you don't give if you if you don't uh uh keep yourself separate from this world if you're not if you're not a bold witness if you don't maintain your witness if you don't stay in church if you don't continue to pray and, and, and read the word, you're gonna drift. Some of you are drifting. Some of you have drifted a long ways already. 
It's time to get back. It's time to lay hold again. It's time to remember, repent, and return. Amen? Let's stand. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Menmenesihiha. Usko o stebi eme en stimi o maakastesia. Mehesen men mini iski o ubastula estias dada. Lehefien menu uzdebo opo paharadasha. I've called to you and I've spoken to your heart and I've sent people to you to talk to you and yet you've stayed in your willful way and continued to walk the way you're walking because you've said in your heart, it doesn't really matter, but it does matter, says the Lord. It does matter. And my spirit is speaking to you today and my spirit is working on you working on your heart, drawing you. Yield yourself to the Spirit. Yield yourself to the words that have been spoken and return to me. Return to me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Father. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.